Podcast. I'm William Kane, and I'm joined by my good buddies, Ben Crane and Webb Simpson. Together, we're carrying the good news about Jesus to the world of golf. What's up, fellas? What's up, boys? Doing well. Uh, trying to get adjusted to the time change here. Five hours from Honolulu to Charlotte in the time change. So I woke up at 3.37 this morning, ready to go. How good is the weather? I mean, Hawaii could be the greatest place on planet Earth. I mean, I and think you're so. looking right over the 10th hole at Sony, one of the most straightforward but best holes on it tour. Is. I mean, they got this bunker just perfectly out there, about 3.05 to cover, so you need a little help. But it's a fun little short hole. Um, how much do you think that room that room is another week of the year? Half what, what they charge tour players? Oh, the tour's coming to town. Let's run. Let's get the race up. <laughs> it's 2X this week. Yeah, for sure. That's right. Well, fellas, golf season started officially last week. Uh, Chris Kirk, big winner in Maui. What were y'all's thoughts? So, um, Kirk is playing unbelievable golf. Obviously, um, he won Comeback Player of the Year last year. Just he's been through a lot. Um, I really liked one of the things he said about how he's found community on the PGA Tour last this this year was he would just get the guys together, his friends together, and play cards. Uh, That was like one of the big pieces, just so he wasn't feeling the loneliness of the PGA Tour. Mm. But, you know, community is such a big piece. Obviously, for believers, we we know that maybe maybe more um, just because we read our Bibles. But um, for non-believers, it's it's obviously a huge thing as well. And um, just, you know, he, he doesn't have a very flashy game, but he's, um, just such a competitor, Brian Harmon and um, and Kiz just say he's one of the best competitors, and those guys are pretty, pretty incredible competitors as well. So fun to fun to see, fun, um, easy to root for. Yeah, and Ben, you played what at least five or six Maui's probably right. Yeah, I mean, do you don't you remember when like seventeen under was a great week? Like you got a chance to win coming down the stretch. <laughs> yeah, I think it, like the wind laid down a little bit, but like that was yeah. bizarre. I mean, like these holes they're hitting five irons into making birdies like all the time. I'm like, man, I don't remember that. I just remember <laughs> trying to survive on that hole. I know, I know. I mean, 29 under. Guys um, are getting better at golf, I think. Is I mean, t- if, if we got any young golfers listening to this who aspire to the PGA Tour, if 28 under doesn't get it done in four days, fellas, keep practicing, okay? Keep practicing. <laughs> for sure. You might want to take an extra hour, um, skip dinner, and, and, and make some four-footers. Exactly. Well, uh, Webb, you picked Spieth. Spieth didn't quite get it done. He almost got it done. Good enough for a top five. And my boy Sung J.M. came through oh, with a top five for birdies Sunday? <laughs> Say it again. He had 11 birdies on Sunday. I know. What a pick. I mean, what a pick. I mean, buddy, you're so proud of that pick. He's, just, I mean, he's, sleeper of all sleeper picks, not wasting picks and making money. Sung Jay's pretty good. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He <laughs> stands, golf. stands really far away from the golf ball, but he's really good at golf. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so what? All right, you, so I get a hundred bucks. A hundred bucks to a charity of your choice. First money to be divvied out of 2024. Where's it going? All right, so my kids just went back to school last week to Calvary Christian Academy, that's where they go, Um, a gospel-centered missional school that's near and dear to our hearts. And, uh, you know, fundraising is so important right now in the early years of the school. So I'll say $100 to Calvary Christian Academy. Love it. That $100 is really going to move the needle. 
I was gonna say, man, it's gonna turn like three lights on for the week. Oh, maybe. We'll take it. Maybe. We'll take it. Um, we need some help. All right, Sung Jay. Where would Sung Jay want me to send this money? Um, I think. You know what? I probably the nearest and dearest ministry to my heart. We say it all the time on here is Wycliffe Bible Translators. I'd love for my first money of twenty twenty four to go to Bible translation. So I mean, what if there's a project in South Korea and we gave it a hundred bucks in his name? Yeah, that would be awesome. So I don't know That'd if there's cool. South Korea, but I, I'm you know North Korea. They won't even let a Bible in there. I wonder if we could work on that. But um, yeah. All right, so money's being divvied out. Here's my question for banter today. What's your most embarrassing moment on a golf course? Um, I would say my low point, first match of the Ryder Cup, 2014. We're at Glen Eagles in Scotland. Who's in the first match? Bubba Watson and Webb Simpson versus Ian or uh, Justin Rose and Hendrick Stinson. Who's going to hit first? The away team, that's USA, and Bubba. He wants me to go first. So I'm hitting the first shot of the 2014 Ryder Cup. I mean, opening ceremony, it's a, it's just a huge deal. There's so many people. Our whole team basically goes for that. It's 7.30 in the morning. Guys, it's 36 degrees. What's your heart, what's your heart doing inside your chest? It's pumping out of my chest. My I can't like feel one, my hands because it's so cold. 160 probably. Yeah, 160. Wish I had the whoop then. Um, so it's just a little three-wood wedge hole. Not a big deal. I pull out my three wood, and I actually, this is the funniest part, is I felt great. Like, I was so excited, ready to go, and I popped it up. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you and, didn't. And, guys, this was straight, a perfect pop-up, like, straight and about 170 yards. Buddy, <laughs> let me ask you this. Did you catch dirt, like, or did you see it up a little too high, or, like, was I, it like a chunk pop-up? No dirt, just, I teed it up way too high. I teed it up like a driver, I guess. Oh All right, God. so here's my... Two, my my two favorite Lord, parts, okay? Poor Lord, watch out. <laughs> Lord, send the rain. Here's my favorite part. Bubba tells me later on in the match, he goes, hey, you know the best part about hole one was? I said, what? I mean, what was good about that? He said, Justin Rose had three wood out. And when you popped it up, he goes, I watched him go back to his bag and pull out driver. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> he needs so, a bigger face. The other, the other bad part was all the camera crew. I mean, from Sky, from our, our camera crew from the U.S., NBC, whoever it was. I mean, 10 cameramen had to walk back about 75 yards. So I had to wait on them to get back to me so I could hit my second shot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my worst moment for sure. Uh, that's embarrassing. What about you, Ben? Yeah. I can't think of a mo- moment on the golf course, but I've told you the story that when I thought I was super cool at the Madison Club, when I'm, they put the hitting mat on top of the fireplace and we're hitting balls to the 18th green and the member guest, and I step up and hit one really close, you know, spin it back to like a foot right hand. I'm like, oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. And I grabbed the left-handed club, and the lady, one of my <laughs> friends remember there, and her daughter were there, and like, oh, hey, there's a professional golfer here. Let's watch him hit. And they turn. They're having a glass of wine, and I – pull out the left-handed, whatever, and I, and I swing, and I look at the the green, just expecting, just like I did right-handed, and all I hear is glass. I'm like, it's so weird. And I'm like, and I look <laughs> over, and the lady is holding 
the the stem of her wine glass and it's gone through her wine glass, shattered wine everywhere. Thankfully, the glass didn't get into her or whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have killed her with my toe shank. I mean, there's all these people around like, what has happened? I'm like, that's so embarrassing. It's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, so I've good. heard that story so many times and I swear it gets better. Uh, yeah. I mean, I... the best part is like the mom said, hey, we got a professional golfer. We got to watch him. professional golfer. He's like, we should watch him. Maybe we'll pick something up. He's going to hit a great shot. <laughs> hey, let's just hope she wasn't drinking Screaming Eagle Ben. Buddy, listen, the House Wine Madison Gloves, Frank family, it's not so bad. So it's Frank family and up. Oh, gosh. If that's the House Wine, I mean, whew. That's great. Well, boys, it's the first. It's the fourteenth anniversary of the, my most embarrassing moment on the golf course, and I'm not going to tell the whole story because it takes ten minutes. I told it in full in episode sixteen, which if you haven't listened to, I don't mean to be self promoting, but you should probably just stop right now <laughs> and go to the banter on episode sixteen. Um, I mean, I think we have six million hits on that one. It's such an impressive story. Yeah. Long story short, in the Saturday round of the 2010 Sony Open. After a uh, Portuguese omelet earlier that morning, uh, my stomach was upset on the golf course. And let's just say I didn't make it to the bathroom on the fourth hole. Um, it was a tough, tough day. So anyway, <laughs> listen, listen to that and entertain yourself. Um, Webb, you it's are, one of the best. You are there this week uh, in Hawaii playing the Sony Open. How are you feeling? First, first time of the year. I'm feeling great. You know, I have been practicing in low 40 degree temperatures. I'm hitting balls this morning. And actually, I get a little sweat going. So it felt great. Um, amazingly, this golf course, we got two and a half inches of rain yesterday and it was bone dry today. I mean, balls are running 30 yards off the tee. So course is in phenomenal shape. Great field. It's the best field Sony's had in a while. So I'm excited to be back at it. All right. Let's go to picks. Benji, you get to go first. All right, um, I'm going to take Tyrrell, Tyrrell Hatton uh, okay. this week at the, at the Sony Open. I feel like he's been playing some good golf, and first event of the year, I think he's going to get up to a great start. Love it. Weber. All right, I'll take my boy Matty Fitzpatrick, fellow countryman of Tyrrell Hatton. All right, you boys are going for the Brits. Um, I think I'm going to go for Eric Cole. You know, okay. we gave Cole a hard time for the joggers and uh, when Russell Henley was on, but he's rookie of the year. He played really good last week, you know, played great on the last uh, final round bogey at 18. So he's got a little bit of hunger. So I'm going to Eric Cole back to back sleeper Lock. picks to earn the money. Ben, you I, mean, like that, I literally, I just dropped my pen. I'm like, well, Lock <laughs> it in. he's going off the <laughs> reservation for picks, but you know what? I like it. I like yeah. it. Okay. Well, last week we started a new series going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. Um, and so let's kind of get our feet on the ground in that book again. We always want to read the Bible in light of its original context. And so we want to re recap a little bit what we saw last week. So first things first, who's writing the book of Ephesians? The Apostle Paul is writing the book of Ephesians, and he's writing the book to Christians who are in Ephesus. Yep. Exactly. A city in southwest Turkey, um, known kind of for its worship of pagan gods. And when and where is Paul writing? He's in Rome in 60 AD um, in prison. So it's um, he's got time on his hands. Yes, he does. And he had been with these people, you know, five years before. He'd spent a couple of years with them. He loved these people. 
And now he's writing with a specific purpose in mind. And we talked about kind of what we were going to see in the book of Ephesians. So can y'all remind us what what's the content we can expect in this letter once we get into it? Yeah, chapters one through three is part one, really. It's doctrinal. Um, it shows us what God has done for us in Christ. It's filled with good news uh, about God's grace for us. And the second half, chapters four through six, is more practical, day-to-day living. It's full of imperatives, instructions for our Christian life. It tells us how we can live Christian lives that are worthy of the calling we've received. Exactly. Yeah, I've heard it said this way, that that first three chapters, you're made worthy, and last three chapters, walk worthy. Mm, man. It's good. But I mean, boys, I feel like both of y'all are under par early. Well done. Um, so today we come in Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. We're just going to jump right into the deep end of God's grace aimed at us. Um, verses 3 to 14 in the original Greek are one long run-on sentence. And what we're going to see is three enormous realities for every Christian. So if you're a Christian, this is what's true of you. Um, and if you're not a Christian yet, this is what can be true of you if you'll respond like the passage instructs us to. So and if you'll pray for our time, and then Weber, you can read for us. Okay. Yeah, Lord God, thanks for this time that we can be in your word. There's really um, not many more great gifts like this that we could be of mutual encouragement to each other by being in your word, Lord. Um, Lord, you have words for us today. You want to speak to us through it. And um, mm-hmm. we want to receive it, Lord. Help us. We need your help. So thanks for this time um, in Christ's name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. If we want to hear God speak to us, we just read his word out loud. That's, I mean, these are his words, right? Let's go. All right. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Amen. What a passage. I mean, guys, that's like mountain peak after mountain peak of unbelievable (laughs) truth. Good night. We could spend a year in here. Um, well, yes. God, help us just to do this justice with our little loaves and fish. Um, all right. How does Paul begin in verse three? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Right away, Paul's instructing his readers to praise God. Okay. And why? Because mm. he blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Yes, every spiritual blessing. Yeah, tell us what what that means, Webb. What does it mean that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing? So 
we are co-heirs with Christ. So everything Christ has, we, we have been given that because we are co-heirs with Christ. We have become adopted into the family of God and all that God has, all the good father has for, for his son, Jesus, he has for us. Yes. Every eternal spiritual benefit belongs to the believer, right? Mm. Um, and what this passage is going to do is going to highlight three of them. So that's what we're going to look at. But before we get there, I just, and Webb, you already turned our attention to this. These blessings come to us in Christ. Um, I'm sure y'all saw the repetition of that concept, but in Christ or in him or through him is used 11 times in these, in these verses. So mm. it's, it's unbelievable. Um, what does it mean that we're in Christ? What does it mean these blessings come to us in Christ? Well, if we're his, experiencing his blessings, it's because of his life, his death, and his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Those three things, um, as a believer, when we believe that what he did, he did for us, then we become in Christ. You know, the old has passed away, the new has come. And so we become these new persons in Christ, and we get in on all the benefits of um, his life. Yes. Super well said. Yeah. Based on what he's accomplished, right? We get to be beneficiaries of all these earned, just like you said, Ben. And then this takes us even further. And you, you actually were taking us there. Not only has Jesus acted on our behalf, but through faith, somehow spiritually and mysteriously, we're Mm -hmm. joined to him, right? We're Mm -hmm. connected to him. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but the most helpful metaphor for this kind of concept of our union with Christ is marriage, right? If a poor girl Mm. marries a wealthy man, she gets him and all that's his. And that's the picture we see of us in Christ. When we believe in him, we get Jesus Christ and all his benefits. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to see here is three of them. So you can kind of break down this, this paragraph or these two paragraphs into three big blessings, election in verses four to six, redemption in verses seven to 10, and inheritance in verses 11 to 14. So let's let's start with election, verses four to six. What do those verses say? Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Okay. So according to this verse or these verses, what, what has God done for Christians? It says the first real key word there in verse four, even as he chose us in him. So God has chosen us um, before the foundation of the world. And, and he's also made us holy by choosing us and by canceling um, the record of our sin. Yes. Mm. Yes. So those are the two big words. Yeah. He chose us and he predestined us. And, Mm -hmm. and Ben, you already, y'all one step ahead of me today. Y'all are on fire. What has he chosen us for or predestined us for? Adoption to himself. Mm. He has predestined us. He has chosen us to be holy and blameless before him and to be adopted to himself. What, what does this seem to be saying to us? It seems that we're adopted as sons and daughters into his very family. Um, and when we're adopted like that, 
we've talked in previous episodes about then getting in on all the benefits like you're talking about of marriage. We're getting in on all the benefits like Jesus has. Good. Yeah. And yeah. And this this happened before the foundation of the world. So not to make this individually about me or about you guys, but it is. It's about God's people as a whole, but it's also about individual relationship with God. He wanted us before we were even created or born. Like that humbles the heck out of me today. Uh, Spurgeon, I'm paraphrasing, but Spurgeon says something about election to, to this effect that I'm so thankful God chose me before the foundation of the world because uh, if he hadn't, if he chose after I was born, there was nothing in me to make him want to choose me. Yeah, <laughs> he does. I actually, I actually have the quote in my notes. It is a money oh, quote. Do you really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, let's go. Here's, I mean, Webb, just Sorry, keep, I jumped ahead. No, y'all keep shooting. I mean, y'all are hot. Okay. All right. He's, Spurgeon says, I believe the doctrine of election because I'm quite certain that if God had not chosen me, I should never have chosen him. And I'm sure that he chose me before I was born or else he would uh, have not chosen me afterwards. And he must have elected me for reasons unknown to me, for I never could find in myself why he should have looked <laughs> upon me with special love. So I'm a for- I am forced to accept that great biblical doctrine. Guys, that is a 10 out of 10. <laughs> That's a man who's familiar with the sin in his own heart, isn't it? Amen. And the grace of God. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's clear this passage, and this is a this can be a tough truth to stomach. So just cards on the table. When I first bumped up against this, reading my Bible as a sophomore in college, it made me so mad that God might choose some that I put my Bible on the shelf for six weeks and I quit reading it because I was offended by the thought that that God would have free will Himself, right? Um, but this passage over and over again uses phrases like the purpose of his will, according to his purpose, his plan, the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So this passage is saying that it was God's plan all along to choose some people to be his sons and daughters. Um, and here's what helps us, I think, get to the point where we can accept this. Who, according to these verses four and five, does he choose and predestine us and and what does this book say about us before we knew Christ in Ephesians 2 1 to 3 we were dead mm-hmm. we were we were not we were not drowning in a river and somebody threw us a, a life raft we were dead and as our good friend Vody Bauckham translates dead for us he said dead means dead <laughs> it's helpful <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead. We had no hope, no mm-hmm. hope. Right. And the picture is like humanity is running away from God and God in his kindness comes and he rescues some, which is more than he ought to mm-hmm. have done. Right. We're going to see in this passage that this doesn't negate our responsibility. We still have a responsibility to turn to him and believe but the picture is like all humanity running away from God toward our own destruction. And God chooses some of us to see him and to stop yeah. and to turn around and to say, I want to be part of your family. I'm in. Um, and notice what motivates God to do all of this. Last two words of verse four. In love. In love. Mm-hmm. In love. Mm-hmm. All right, Ben, this is dear to your heart. When y'all adopted crew, did you adopt him because you needed him? No, we we had a, we have three wonderful kids, but we feel felt called by God to do this to to adopt, and 
we did it out of love. Like we felt like our family had something to give to another child. And so we agreed as a family, like what, no matter how hard this gets, we love him and we're in, and he's a part of our family. Yes. And so y'all chose him, y'all planned it, and then you chose him and then you welcomed him. That's not mm-hmm. a that's not a hateful thing to do that. That's the most loving thing in the world that out of the overflow of your heart, you would plan that. And that's, that's what right. God has done for many, 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 many thousands of people, millions of people through mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Um, that's right. Weber, you love this doctrine. Tell tell us why. I do. I do. Um, you know, our, our good friend Dave Owen said when he first came to faith, a question he would ask around this doctrine of predestination is how could a loving God, you know, choose to save some and not all? And he said as he grew in his faith and grew in his love for the Lord and he became more familiar with his sin, like our, our buddy Charles Spurgeon, he began to ask the question, how could a good and loving and perfect God, how could he save him, Dave, mm-hmm. right? And I feel that. How could a perfect and loving God and a holy God save me? Why would he want anything to do with me? Mm-hmm. Like when I rejected him, and as you said, Willie, when I was running away from him, I wasn't running towards him. I was running away from him. He came for me. He died for me. Um, and you know, for the theologians who are listening, I think a good rule of thumb, um, when you see themes or doctrines sprinkled throughout the old Testament, the new, you start to see like, this is a real attribute of God. And you just see that Paul and other authors, they give the credit to salvation over and over and over in different ways and different words to God. He, he does it. We have nothing to do. And as you said, William Ephesians 2, 1 we're incapable. We're dead. Um, and that, that is that great chasm that separates us from God. And we need a savior and he came. And, um, so I just love this because, um, it doesn't shrink my view of God. It grows it tremendously to know that, like you said, he didn't need us, but he wanted us. So how much Mm -hmm. more should that make us want to, you know, follow him and walk with him? Mm-hmm. Amen. And, and this is not only what God planned in eternity past. God's plans didn't just stay plans. He didn't just choose us or predestine us and make a plan. He put those plans into action. And that's what we see next in verses seven and eight when we start talking about redemption. So what's the next blessing we see there in verses seven and eight? In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Okay, so if you you notice, we're going to come to this at the end, but Paul keeps like breaking into praise about all that he's writing about. And here he says that in Christ, we have redemption. Now, this this term redemption has got a specific meaning and it's got a broad meaning. And we see both in this passage. We looked at the specific meaning in episode 41. So what's it mean to redeem something? Does it mean to have someone bought back into? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, purchased out of, and especially in this context, purchased out of slavery, right? Usually through the payment of a ransom. Um, What were we enslaved to? Sin. Uh Yeah. And again, we're going to see this at the beginning of Ephesians 2. If you want to look at the human condition apart from Jesus Christ, just read Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. And it tells us Uh we were enslaved to sin. We were following the course of this world 
Satan is the influence who's influencing this world and we're in on it and we're trapped in it. And it was our doing. Yep. That's our condition. Another, another, uh, great passage to see our precondition before crisis. My favorite Titus three, one through three. Mm. So that's a good one. Go, yeah. go, go read that listeners. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Cause it's clear. It's not good. Cause the news that's delivers. But, <laughs> right. But good point. Verses four through seven. That's what you get. You stamped on your wedges right there. That's right. The um, good news. So we find ourselves enslaved to sin. And yet for Christians, God not only planned to adopt us, he's actually purchased us by doing something in human history out of slavery to belong to him. And how did he, how does this passage say he did it? Through his blood. Okay. Mm-hmm. Guys. When you read your Bible, the little words and little phrases, they can mean so much. So what does through his blood mean? What transaction happened in that little phrase through his blood? Man, he was shedding the blood that I should be shedding. That should be me up on that cross, but he's doing it for me. And because he doesn't deserve it, because he's lived the perfect life, that blood, when I look at him and I say, I'll take that. Mm. then it's credited to my account through belief. And all of a sudden, through his blood, I have forgiveness of my sins. They're canceled. I have been redeemed. Yes. Amen. Such good news. That, that shedding of blood, that death on the cross by the perfect son of God, Jesus Christ, <laughs> right? That is our ransom payment. That is the price for our freedom. That is the purchase that welcomes us into the family of God. So it's mm. planned in eternity past. And then, guys, here's what's glorious about Christianity. Our redemption is executed in real history, real space, real time by a real person who really died for me and you. Jesus of Nazareth, mm. the Son of God. We have mm. been redeemed. Um, Amen. So he's accomplished this personal redemption for us, forgiveness of our sins through the blood of Christ. And then verses 9 and 10 show us, that God is up to something even bigger than just our individual salvation. Um, Redemption, when it's used in a more general way, is a summary word for all of salvation. So God's not only about redeeming individual sinners, he's also about redeeming and restoring the entire created order. So when our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, everything, all creation came under a curse. Man separated from God, heaven separated from earth, we're separated from one another, The curse of sin literally left nothing untouched. But Jesus Christ came to make, as the hymn says, his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. And that's what verses 9 and 10 say is coming. So what do those verses say? Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Okay, so in redeeming us through Christ, God is making known a mystery to humanity, right? Something's been concealed for a really long time, and now it's going to be revealed. And what's that mystery according to these verses? He put Jesus Christ forward for us to unite us back to God. Yes. We're separated from him. Yes. And that's, that's step one, this unite word. It literally means to sum up or gather up or wrap up. And so starting at the cross and in the resurrection... God has set a plan in motion that is bringing everything under the rule of Jesus Christ. 
Mm-hmm. He, he's reconciled man to God. He's reconciled Jew to Gentile. All these things are happening now. One day he's going to unite heaven to earth. And mm. this is the story of the Bible. Everything is going to be united under the rule of Jesus Christ. And it, it's a plan that's clearly underway that started with the forgiveness of our sins. But one day, God's going to fully realize this as he restores all things back to their intended unity and order. That's the picture we get at the end of the Bible. God mm-hmm. is just, he's uniting this whole thing in redemption under Jesus Christ. So mm. here's what we got so far. God made a match with us in Christ before the foundation of the world in our election. He, he saw us together. He put us together. He chose us in him. Then in history, he redeems us through the blood of Christ. And one mm. day, the entire universe is going to experience this redemption. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, here's, here's where our last kind of big point is. We're going to have an inheritance. That's what comes mm. in verses 11 to 14. And so let's start with 11 and 12. What do those verses say? In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Okay, so there's your predestined word again. God has planned for us to have an inheritance. Um, Mm -hmm. Quickly, what's an inheritance? An inheritance is you receive, uh, you know, gifts, money, some type of reward when uh someone dies yeah because you're a part of their family yeah exactly well so perfectly said uh right now looking out at humanity who's got a sick inheritance coming who comes to mind the gates kids the bezos kids the musk kids yeah for sure they they got a sick inheritance coming they're gonna inherit like half the wealth of the world right whatever the the money is um yeah you know who's got a sicker inheritance than those kids any and every Christian. Let's freaking go. Christians, <laughs> right? Christians. Um, oh. And inheritance is coming to Christians. Okay. And Webb, I love how you started us here. Um, just so y'all know, Webb came on this episode hot. He's coming right off the golf course in Hawaii. Um, and he's just coming with fire uh, about what's <laughs> in this passage. But you mentioned in the beginning that we're co-heirs with Christ. Yeah. Um what what belongs to Jesus Christ? What's his inheritance? Everything that the Father has is his. Everything. Yes. And if you and I are made co-heirs with him, what does that mean for us? We get equal share. We get it all as well. It says that in him all things were made. That doesn't leave a lot out. <laughs> no, buddy, it's so true. He's the Lord over everything. All things are put under his feet. And yep. chumps like us who deserve his judgment, who were enemies, he has made sons and heirs. Yep. We got an inheritance. We got um, an inheritance. I mean, pr- Proverbs puts it like this that, um, you know, the wisdom of God is far more precious than silver or fine jewels, right? Just the wisdom of God, <clears throat> right? Like we sit, we should search for God's wisdom more than anything this earth has to offer. Yes. And what, and that's just one little yeah. angle of that diamond, you know, that's coming that's right. to us. Um, all right. Here's, here's the question to us. According to verses 13 and 14, how do we know that this inheritance is coming? Like, how do you know you're an heir? What do these verses tell us? 
the Holy Spirit that we receive when we become Christians, right? We believe the Spirit of God literally comes inside of us. We immediately have the Spirit dwell in us. That is our guarantee. That's our stamp. And I believe, William, uh, I think Brad Payne taught about this, that the, the original word is that, that like the word we have for pitch, like it seals it. Like that's our seal to know that this is true. Yes. Dude, there's two great words in there, sealed and then guarantee. So let me just read it. So if you don't have the Bible in front of you, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So first mm. things first, and Ben's already helped us here, but let's just review it again. What's the word of truth? What's the gospel of your salvation? When we hear that word gospel, what are we talking about? Gospel means good news announcement, and it's the good news announcement that what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he did for us. Exactly. That Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, the Son of God, lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we deserve to die. He rose again, conquering death, and he has this offer of salvation to any who will believe. Okay? That is the gospel announcement. That is. Mm-hmm. And it is good news. And when someone believes that, like Webb said, they're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. Now, the Spirit does all sorts of glorious things for the believer. He convicts us of sin. He counsels us. He guides us in the ways that we should go. He brings things to remembrance that the Lord has said and on and on. But according to this verse, what purpose does the Spirit serve? He's our guarantee. He's our stamp of approval um, that we will gain possession of all that is the Lord's. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and the guarantee word here, it's, it's the down payment word. So how's a down payment work? Y'all probably, y'all might not know. You probably never had to make a down payment. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but how you going to pay that? The down payment is, show me. <laughs> you got Venmo? The down payment, meaning that, that the Holy Spirit is one of the gifts you're going to get when you take possession of, of Christ, right? And then all of a sudden he's going to, um, when eternity comes to pass, we're going to take possession of all of it. Okay. Mm. Saying that the Good. Yeah. yeah. So a, a down payment um, is just the first installment of a large purchase, right? That guarantees you're good for the rest of it. And when the spirit comes into the believers, like Ben said, that is God saying to you in your own lived experience, I'm good for the rest of everything I've promised. Every other spiritual yep, that's, blessing, that's so cool. if, if you've got the Spirit living in you, if you've ever experienced real conviction of sin, if you have new desires for God, if you have a desire for the Word of God, if, if it is in your nature to want to pray to God, if you're starting to want to love other people or wanting to obey the Lord, that's evidence of the Spirit in you. And if you have the Spirit, here's what that means. All of these spiritual blessings are coming to you. You have an inheritance with Jesus Christ. That's good news. Amen. Um, so that is great news. What then becomes the most important question, then, fellas, for our listeners? Have Have you listeners had this experience? Have you believed in Jesus? Have you believed the good news of the gospel that what He did, He did for you? Have you felt the Spirit of God come into your life and change you? Have you gone from having a 
calloused hard heart to a new heart that wants to honor honor and enjoy God. Yes. Amen. And if you have it, this passage, you should hear an invitation, right? You're hearing yep. the word of truth right now. And the way to get in on this is to believe, right? To believe right. That what Jesus Christ did, he did from you. And if you believe that, here's what that means. It means you're one of the ones that God has elected before the foundation mm. of the world. It means you're one of the ones that Jesus Christ has died for. And it means you're mm-hmm. one of the ones who will inherit all that God has promised. That's, That's right. And William, walk, walk us through. There's a someone who's listening who doesn't know if they're a believer. How would you pray that prayer? Yeah, I. this is kind of a cheesy little thing, but it can be really helpful. It's as easy as A, B, C. First things first, you just admit, dude, I am a sinner. And I have I have sinned against God in both in my nature and in my decisions. Um, and I, I agree that, man, I deserve judgment from God. You believe in Jesus Christ that he's the son of God and that what he did, he did for you. Lord, I believe that on that cross, you died for me. You were taking my penalty. Mm-hmm. You were in my place. And I believe you rose again. And my hope is in you. And then you confess that, right? You confess that to God. And then maybe you find another Christian. You confess that to them. And you say, I'm all in with Jesus Christ and I I want to follow him. I want to make him the Lord of my life. And if you do that, start by just telling God that in your own words, that's how you receive this free gift of salvation, right? That's how you access. And if you're in the car, honk your horn, because that is the greatest (laughs) transaction that (laughs) happens in the entire world. Amen. That's it. Okay. So we got to close out with a couple more things there in this passage. We'll be very quick. Why did God do all this? We saw a hint of it at the end of verse four in love. He chose Mm. us. But briefly look at the second half of verse 7. Why did According God According do... to the riches of his grace, which he, I love this word, lavished upon us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Guys, some form of this phrase shows up four different times in this passage, and it tells us God's heart behind this whole deal. So mm. if you had to put in your own words, fellas, why did God elect us? Why did God redeem us? Why does God have an inheritance in the future waiting for us? I thought uh, God was a killjoy who wanted to take away the stuff I really wanted to do, but his heart is so big for me. As I read my Bible, I see that he wants to adopt me. He wants to bring me in on the greatest gifts in the whole world, and he wants to lavish his grace mm. um, and his love upon mm. me. Yeah, this is this is one of the best pictures, I think, in all of Scripture this is literally an overflow of who he is. This is not just a one-time act. Like we all do good deeds, right? It's just one time. That might not be an overflow of who we are. This is an overflow of who God is. It's almost like he's so good, he can't help by lavishing grace because that's who he is. Yes. I mean, we talked about Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. They're rich in money. Look at what God's rich in. Gosh, grace. He is rich in grace, which means... Which means what for the person driving along or hitting golf balls that feels unworthy of the love of God? What would you say to them? Mm-hmm. He's not going to deal with you the way you deserve to be dealt with. That's right. Mm. He is going to welcome you as a loving father, even though you haven't done hardly anything right. Yes. Yeah. God welcomes you with open arms and says, welcome home, and then wants to give you good gifts, and he wants to bring you into the family. Mm-hmm. And it's, there, there's I mean, no, no better place to experience love and grace and truth than that's with right. the Father. And, and you, you do a little study 
you open up that Bible in the New Testament and you you start noticing the way Jesus speaks with the worst of sinners is so warm, loving, truth for sure. But you got to read that if you're a sinner and struggling with how could God give me grace? You, you could say, look, I want that. I want that kind of Savior. Yes. He, he came. Jesus didn't come for the people who said they held it all together. That's right. He came for the ones who knew they didn't. Yes. They were messed up. Yeah. We're all messed up. We're jacked up people. Yeah. And here's what you got, got sin. <laughs> you got all you need to come to Jesus. Hey, you know hey, the best part that's... about this segment right there? It's, all of us are interrupting each other because we're all so excited to talk about this. I know. I know. Guys, the this... only thing you can bring to Jesus is your sin, right? Yes. I mean, that's, that's what we. And here's what oh, God yeah. wants to show the world. He wants to show the world his grace. He wants to show you That's his right. grace. So if you are a rascal, if you are a sinner, you're the perfect person for him to engage with. That's he right. came for you. Um, yep. All right. Now, the last question we need to ask is what's the result of all of this? Or how, how should we respond to all of this? What other phrase did y'all see popping up over and over and over again in this one long run-on sentence? That when all this happens... Um, like it says in verse three, blessed be God to the praise of his glorious grace, to the praise of his glory. Um, it's like this glorifies God when mm. we receive the gift and when we acknowledge who he is and what he's done, it brings glory to God and makes yep. him look like he is beautiful and perfect. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the best way we can respond to this great news of election and redemption and this future inheritance is to just look to God with a humble heart, with tears coming down your cheeks if they'll come, and hands raised if you're comfortable with that, and say, God, I love you, and I receive this grace, and mm -hmm. I don't deserve it, but I love you, and I'm grateful for it. Um, that's why God Amen. does it all, to put his grace on display, and our response is to praise the glory of his grace. That's um, it. All right, any final thoughts to you boys? Um. I think, you know, as I go about this week, we, we all go back to our jobs right after listening to this podcast. Um, how does what God accomplished in Christ over 2,000 years ago, how does that apply to me here in Hawaii or to you guys in Nashville? Well, it gives us the greatest encouragement to get out of bed every day, to know there's a purpose God has for us, that we get to live our lives in relationship to Him, the one we talked about, who's overflowing with grace, who lavishes upon us His grace. So I'm just going to remind myself of that every day. And I'm probably going to read this passage every day this week. Thank you for giving me that as my daily reading. Yes. Um, but what great news. What great news. Yes. Um, ben, final thoughts to you? Buddy, that's it. I mean, it's just the best news in the whole world. You can tell we're all getting excited because His grace <laughs> is sufficient. It is. Amen. All right, Weber, you give us a sign off today. All right. Thank you for listening to the Bible. Hey, that's great. Good for you, buddy. I'm up for one. I'm up for one. Ben Jerry, gave me my... working great. Hey, hey we're ben not gave editing that out. That's staying in. Go ahead. Try it again. Try it again. All right. Yeah, round, round two. Thanks for listening to the Bible Caddy podcast. If the podcast has been an encouragement to you, we'd love for you to like it or leave a comment. As always, if you have questions about Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at biblecaddy at gmail.com, and you can follow us on all the socials under the handle at biblecaddy. We will be back next week looking at Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Until then, let's get into the Word and let the Word get into us. Oh, 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 oh.